Welcome to the Tar Heel Hustle, where we explore the different dimensions of the Keenan Flagler Executive MBA program. I'm Javier Guillermo. And I'm Bola Mustafa, and we're your hosts. With us is our tireless producer, Mateo Cilia, and Esmeralda Baltazar, our social media manager, keeping us honest. We decided to create the podcast to share with you our collective experience during our time in the Keenan Flagler MBA program. Welcome to season two. Over the course of this season, our guests will share how UNC Kenan Flagler Business School provides them with tools to develop their thought leadership platform, increase mental health awareness, and most importantly, refine critical soft skills. Our guests will also share key takeaways from the experiential learning component included in one of the best entrepreneurship programs in the U.S. We'll also talk about the key elements needed for a successful negotiation and explore the program's career advancement resources. So, let's hustle. Let's get down to business. Let's get down to business. Welcome to the Tar Heel Hustle Podcast. We're excited to have you with us and learn about your journey to the Keenan Flagler Business School. Our topic for today will focus on mental health and wellness while navigating business school and our careers. Yes, Bola. And we have two experts. One of our classmates, Eliza Schultz, who is a psychotherapist and Tasha Sanders, who recently joined as the MBA wellness coach. Thank you for being here with us today. Yeah, doing well. Glad to be here. Yes, thank you so much. Glad to be here as well. So Tasha, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you come from? And what is your role in the EMBA program? Sure. So my journey is a little unique. I'm a licensed clinical social worker, but within the MBA program, I'm acting as a wellness coach. So I'm not acting in a clinical capacity. Prior to coming to North Carolina, I actually lived in Maine and I relocated to North Carolina about two years ago. And most of my experience before has been as a crisis counselor, either with mobile crisis or within the co-responder model. I worked with the Chapel Hill Police Department as a crisis counselor. And as my own life trajectory shifted and I molded, molded myself, I realized that I wanted to be in something that felt more proactive as opposed to reactive. I love the crisis work and it's very important work, but it's also very heavy work. So I embarked on this wellness journey independently and then decided that it would be helpful to align that with my career goals. And I found this position and it looked like a really great opportunity to support students in their own wellness journey. And here I am now. All right. So, Liza, would you mind just kind of give us a background about yourself and kind of tell us why you decided to pursue an MBA? And after you decided to pursue an MBA, why did you choose UNC Keenan Flagler? So, I am also a licensed clinical social worker. I actually received that degree from UNC. So, I was already familiar with UNC Chapel Hill and all the ins and outs. And after I graduated from that program, I was pretty dead set on going somewhere out of state to work and explore different things. And I actually ended up taking a job at a behavioral health hospital in the area that specializes in treating eating disorders. When I went into that position, it was kind of a new leap. Wasn't sure if I was going to like it, kind of just trying it out and actually ended up falling in love with it. And so I stuck here in the area and kind of worked my way or just had different roles there. And so some of them were the direct care components. And then some of them, as I started taking on more leadership opportunities, were more administration. 
And so my specialty is what I ended up certifying in is I'm a certified eating disorder specialist. And so that is the direction that I took my career as a clinical social worker. Right around the time that I was exploring grad programs, and one of the reasons I started exploring grad programs is as I continued to move in different leadership roles, it became pretty clear to me that there are some just disconnections between the clinical and business sides within the organization. And, you know, there's a lot of times, I'm not going to lie, that I was like, oh my gosh, the business side is making all the calls and like, how ridiculous is this? And really on coming from the perspective that I didn't know, I didn't have the terminology, I didn't have the background. There's a lot of things that I really couldn't understand even as much as I tried. And so that is when I started thinking to myself, like, I love my clinical role and I love that piece, but I would love to be able to make a bigger impact, right? With having the business acumen to be able to support some of what I think, as well as trying to bridge the gap. Like, is there a way we can be more cohesive between these two arms of the organization? How can they come together and actually work well together? And so that was what kind of sparked my desire to look into MBA programs. At that time, I also transitioned into private practice to get a little bit more flexibility because I knew the intensity of my position at the time and going to a full-time executive program may not have been the best for my mental health. And so I made a really difficult choice and kind of took a step back in my career progression and went into private practice and decided to just work on my clinical skills while at the same time I was focusing on the MBA. In terms of choosing Keenan Flagler for that, one, not going to lie, it was easy. I live in the area. I wanted to have an in-person experience to travel every weekend or the weekends we were supposed to be in class pre-COVID, I would just drive down the street. I live based out of Raleigh. So that was going to be really easy in terms of travel. The two other factors that really played large roles in deciding to come to Canada and Flagler was one, I went to a grad school fair one night and it was probably like seven or eight programs in the area because we have so many in North Carolina, and there was a student panel. The student that was representing Keenan Flagler was talking about how she felt really welcomed. She didn't feel that she was separate from everyone else. She had an English background, so she had a bachelor's, I guess, in English, and was really nervous coming into the program of like, am I coming in with all these people that have business backgrounds and they're going to just be like so ahead of me and how am I going to relate and am I going to have the skills and competencies to kind of succeed in this program as well? And then she said, yes. She was like, absolutely. There are so many people from so many like backgrounds. Like I didn't feel like I was an outsider. And for me, coming with my social work background, I was like, ooh, okay, that makes it feel a little better because finance got none. Um, like there's other things that I just didn't have. And so I was like, oh, I can re- totally relate. She's making me feel a lot better. So that was definitely one thing. And then the second thing was I came onto campus for a visit. Being back in adult learning atmosphere, like there was something that sparked in me. I was like, oh my gosh, that everyone feels excited to be here. They're having really amazing conversations, like, and it feels fun. People are even joking around some as they're talking about these really like interesting topics. It was an entrepreneur, the intro to entrepreneurship class. And I was just like, I I think this is it. That's excellent. Thank you, Eliza, for sharing that with us. So Tasha, would you mind just taking a moment to just kind of like, you know, provide some insight 
you know, to, to our audience as to why your role was established within the school? So my understanding of the reason that this role was put into place was really to just generate awareness of the whole person that encompasses students within Keenan Feigler and foster and promote that intentional lifestyle that prepares students for sustainable success during their time at Keenan Feigler and beyond. My hope is that administration was recognizing that in order for students to be successful, it's important to acknowledge that they are a whole person and that it extends beyond occupational or intellectual wellness, like working or schoolwork, but being able to also pay respect to all of the different highly valued and important aspects of our lives and being able to have a safe space where students can come in and take off that mask that they may have, especially as it pertains to things like imposter syndrome and just feeling like they are not necessarily enough or aren't meeting, you know, meeting the needs and the high bar that they've set for themselves. So being able to just have a, a safe space to vent and process, as well as be able to identify areas in, in their life where students are doing really well, as well as where they may, may want to build upon and improve upon. That's perfect. So I, I guess for, uh, just to kind of follow up on that, uh, were there any specific metrics that were developed to kind of gauge you know, improvements along the way? Again, it's a fairly new program. How do you, you know, measure your success? Great question. So it definitely is brand new and it's definitely something that I have really been building from the ground up, so to speak, with support of my counterpart, uh, Felix Morton, in the undergraduate business program, of course. But we're both still relatively new. So really trying to figure out how are we going to ensure that our program is being successful and meeting the needs of students. So thus far, I've really been working with students one-on-one just in their own personal wellness journey and checking in periodically to determine does this feel a value? Does it feel like you're headed on the right direction? And if so, what's working for you? Where can we expand upon that? And if not, where can we pivot and course correct and and add something of further value or something that's going to be more effective in in your own personal wellness journey? And as far as the the student body in general um, and for a larger programming perspective, I put out a needs assessment across all platforms within the first month or two that I started and just really working over the course of the next year to create programs that address those identified needs and being able to, at the end of each program, hopefully get some great feedback as as to what works and what, what doesn't and how we can continue to make this even more effective. Great, Tasha. Thank you. Any type of patterns have you seen in the last couple of weeks? Any two or three topics that people come to you for advice or for help that you would like to share with us? Absolutely. So I think that the number one theme that students are coming to me for is that feeling of being able to manage time in a way that balances all the various demands that they're having, whether they have full-time jobs, uh, families, or even just friends and significant others just wanting to figure out how how do I reconnect with those things that bring value to my life. And a huge component of that is being able to generate awareness about what those things are. In order to be balanced, we, of course, need to first know what's unbalanced. So that's something that I've definitely seen as a uh, emerging theme among students. I would say another theme would definitely be that of stress management and trying to help students as they navigate what stress looks like for them, how it manifests and shows up, and what coping skills and techniques that they have already been implementing that have been working for them, what things are adding stress to their lives that they may be able to reduce, and also maybe the introduction of different skills and techniques that they haven't explored yet. 
that's amazing. I, those three things are also what I am working on. So I am part of the trend. All right, so Eliza, as an expert in mental health, what are your thoughts about uh, UNC Kenyon Flagler Business School creating a role of a wellness coach in support of its students? I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I remember receiving the email that they were bringing Tasha on board, and I was really impressed that they were doing that and starting to put some focus on mental wellness within the program. Within a business school program, you have a lot of high achievers and folks that probably are incredible. And again, I'm not trying to generalize anyone, just kind of looking at a whole picture that sometimes like with that high achievements, there's a lot of focus on competency and intellectual ability and success from a professional stance and to integrate the mental wellness piece. And as Tasha was talking about kind of focusing on the whole person, you can't leave that emotional piece out of it. And just as, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day in terms of the ways that physical fitness, how can we compare that to emotional fitness and how do we look at those on the same level? Like we talk about physical fitness so often, but how often are we talking about emotional fitness and physical fitness? We don't start that necessarily when we're at the worst, we might maintain our physical fitness by doing exercises throughout the week, potentially. How do we get to a place where we do that with emotional fitness so that we're not only in crisis when we look for help? And how do we make that just an integral part of our overall functioning? And I think by bringing in somebody that is really honed in on the wellness piece, that is something that could be really helpful and kind of supportive to the student body. And that's a great point you're making there, because, again, a lot of uh, leaders lack a properly developed EQ, uh, emotional quotient, you know. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's really cool that the, the program is trying to provide a support system to help people define that area of their leadership skills. Javier? I want to talk a little bit about what you're seeing for the future. And this question is for both, actually. In this post-pandemic world, can you share some interesting insights from your expertise field? or industry, and how the world is changing or transforming to adapt. What are new things are you seeing in your field after the pandemic? Eliza? Where to start? (laughs) There have been a lot of changes. And I think one of the pieces that I was looking at in what I feel as crisis for a lot of individuals right now just within the private practice that I work, realizing numbers of individuals inquiring about services. I I don't have the numbers in particular. I just know that they have skyrocketed over the last year. Our wait list is longer than ever, even having brought on two new associates. There's just so many people in need of support right now in this post-pandemic world. Uh, I think if you've had underlying, you know, different symptoms of mental health, the pandemic just exacerbated them. I mean, we're talking about individuals across races, ethnicities, occupation. And, and again, that's also saying that across races, we know there's distinct differences there and, and the disparities. And we need, there, there's gonna be a need for a lot of support 
that to be honest, we don't have enough medical professionals for. So I think what I'm trying not to paint this grim picture, but I think in painting a picture of like the importance of mental health initiatives, the importance to get to people that are not within reach, the importance of increasing access to care, increasing services that we provide to everyone and really focusing on that is going to be critical. It has always been, but I think this had just the pandemic put it to the next level. It's amazing that it also shifted our virtual services really quickly, <laughs> right? Like they, it, it was kind of like we're flirting with this idea of telehealth. There's some people that do it, some people that don't. And then it's like, ooh, we are going. And so I think that's actually going to be helpful because that will increase access. It has. I, I'm able to see people in Charlotte that weren't able to find an eating disorder specialist, but they found me and I happened to have an opening at that time. So I was able to see them. And of course it's all done in safe ways. We need to make sure everything's medically stable, all those pieces. But I, but I think the, the key message is as deep of a concern this is, there's also some positive things that came out of it. And hopefully we're gonna to continue to break down some of the barriers to access that are really, really needed for a lot of different populations. We have so much work to do. Tasha, what does the view look like from where you are? I definitely echo what Eliza is recognizing, and I'm sure that all of us are recognizing that during the pandemic, the amount of individuals in crisis just skyrocketed. So as I was saying before, while I was working in the crisis unit, I had the unique viewpoint of being working in a crisis unit during a global pandemic, and our mental health calls were just skyrocketing. It was something that as Liza was saying, everything was really any type of mental health symptom or environmental stressor was just exasperated tremendously. And I think now being post-pandemic, being able to obviously work towards those systemic issues and figuring out how to support individuals at a capacity that we don't necessarily have, but also being able to work to be proactive in the process before individuals are getting to that point of crises. So being able to provide psychoeducation and normalizing different symptoms of emotional wellness or mental health and being able to have support systems in, in place that start at a level that's functioning, not just preventative. And I would say another really great thing that has come out of this is honestly just overall awareness of mental health and working to reduce the stigma associated with mental health. And just validation of how important it is to one's functioning. It's not all just going to the doctor for physical health now. There's so much more integrated care and practices to be able to work towards closing that gap. But of course, we do need the providers. But I think even during the pandemic, it really shed light on the different dimensions of wellness outside of mental health and emotional wellness. So being able to recognize uh, things like your physical wellness with gyms closing and how that was directly correlated with mental health or recognizing the importance of environmental wellness with saying, okay, now my, my, you know, spare bedroom is also my work office and I've got kids coming in and out and I, you know, may not necessarily be in the most healthy and safe living situation. And how is that going to, going to affect things? So really just paying attention to all of those different aspects is something that this pandemic has 100% highlighted. We have to keep momentum on this push towards mental health. I think I think we all should should do our part in our businesses and in your li a little piece of the world. So I think we can all agree that it's something we need for the future. Absolutely. And Eliza, I think it's great that we have 
mental health professionals who are going back and educating themselves further on, you know, in the business world, because there definitely is this, this discrepancy between what social workers or mental health professionals are doing on the front lines and, and how the management is directly affecting that and as a result, directly impacting the clients that we're supporting. To finish up our, our conversation today, I mean, I just want to say that after hearing from both of you, I don't feel alone I, uh, in the world just having these doubts and questions about this, this process, about the program. And I want to ask Tasha one question and Eliza one more question. And Tasha, you talked about all these amazing services and all of these amazing frameworks and different assessments that you work with with students. But how can students actually talk to you? How can they access all of these great, great services? So what I've been doing so far is if students want to connect, just sending me an email. It's Tasha, so T-A-S-H-A underscore Sanders, S-A-N-D-E-R-S at Keenan-Flagler.unc.edu. And I actually have a link that is attached to my signature as well that leads directly to my calendar. So if students want to book in that way, then that's available to them. But a lot of times we're just corresponding throughout email. And then as far as programs and events go, I have an account, uh, MBA Wellness, that sends out different information on those, or it may be highlighted in different quarterly newsletters. So just keep an eye out for different wellness corners. And that's, that's how you can find me and all the stuff that we're working on. Thank you, Tasha. And we will make sure to include your email address in the show notes so anybody can get in touch with you. But before we let you go, Eliza, uh, what recommendations uh, would you share with people from your field who are thinking about studying an MBA? The first thing I would do is try to get an understanding of why and then encourage them. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'd have to understand a little bit of like, what is the purpose of this for you? Because it is, I think, different and unique when you hear of, you know, licensed clinical social workers or mental health professionals going into the business field. And I think it's something that's really needed. Like I really do like bridging this understanding of just like wellness with the business aspect. I've even thought about that if I ever pivot in some sort of way in my profession, how these will be strengths moving into a different role, how these would like, if I wanted to go into some other industry and organization and how do I bring my, so like my social work skills, all that it's life skills. Like that's not leaving. And how do I find balance? And to be honest, this is an amazing program to feel that support as you're going through it. And I hope people get that through this podcast. I think it's amazing what you guys have done. And I really hope that people are feeling that support and know that this is an amazing program with a lot of amazing students and faculty. Last comments and we are done. So at the end, we always open a space for, uh, for our guests to highlight or promote something close to their heart. In your case, I wanted to ask you if you had any specific organization that you would like to recognize and share with us? I would say one that I encourage students to visit a lot is mindful.org. If they're looking to expand upon their wellness journey in an emotional and mental health capacity, it's a really great tool to begin exploring mindfulness and all the different 
types of mindfulness that there are, breath work, you know, guided imagery, so many different tools of exploration and how it can really help both from a psychological and physiological perspective. So I, I would say that, that that's worth giving a shout out. From my end, I am a certified eating disorder specialist. And so that cause is very near and dear to my heart. There's, gosh, so many amazing organizations, and I don't think we could have enough that do a lot of advocacy and awareness work and education. And so that, I guess, would be the social cause. And then just a couple of those organizations that do incredible work would be our North Carolina International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals group, the Carolina Resource Center for Eating Disorders, as well as the Alliance. And a lot through two of those, there's free support groups. There's a lot of education and resources through those organizations. Anyone that has struggled or if you know anyone that has, do not feel afraid to reach out and get support. You deserve it. Thank you very much. So that wraps up our episode with our two wonderful guests, Eliza Schultz and Tasha Sanders. Thank you very much for sharing with us today. We hope that you will stay tuned for our next episode focused on thought leadership featuring our guests Aldia, class of 2015, and Stephen H. Covey. As always, you can find us on our social media. Please show your support by liking the episode, sharing it, but above all, subscribing. And keep on hustling. There you go. And keep on hustling. <laughs> I love it. Hasta luego. Oh, double. In case you're looking to get in on a Tar Heel hustle, make sure you check out our episodes available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to be featured on a future episode of the Tar Heel Hustle, feel free to click on the link in the show notes. We look forward to having you on the show. Until next time, keep hustling. If you had a time machine, where would you go? What event would you like to see or live through? Al? That is a great question. So, I don't know. I think they were doing something right in the 70s, you know, in the United States, in terms of making sense and, and really thinking about what it means to be a citizen of the world. And how do we as people fit within that? What role does the, do the institutions we have play a role in that? And how can we live in a better way? <laughs>